We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. Tonight we're here to do more draft profiles. The draft is coming up. You guys love wide receivers. We get it. Wide receiver one for the Giants, a true wide receiver one, would really change a lot of things for this franchise moving forward. So finding one is a goal for this team. If not in this draft, in the next class. One of the next two, I think, is likely. So maybe it will be this class. So today we're doing draft profiles for two guys that were on the same team. So it was easy to do double profile for this one. It's going to be wide receiver Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee and wide receiver Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. Very different receivers, very different profiles. And we're going to talk through a few things. One, if we want the Giants to consider them at 25. Two, if we want the Giants to consider them by trading down. Or three, if we want to take them in round two, either by trading up or if we think there's a chance that either could fall to where the Giants pick and we would like them there. But, Nick, I want to first start by saying, nice shirt, buddy. Thank you so much. I wonder where we've seen this shirt before. I can only imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I was wearing it on the last show, and I actually got that shirt from Nick when he used to work for the Mets. Am I allowed to say that on here? Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. I didn't know. We can keep and keep that in. I didn't know if that was a thing. It used to be private information, now apparently public. But yeah, man, that's a great shirt. I love that shirt. Except the only issue with that shirt is, and you guys could tell me if this is true uh, for those listening. So it was one of those. So I think it's just an awesome shirt. I like like the color. I like that this is this is where I like, like the city field. Like logo. it fits the theme of the podcast, talking about yes. two Tennessee volunteers. But I had one issue with it. Oh, true. This was a good one to wear. I got the orange, though, at least in this. Yes. It shrunk like crazy, that shirt of mine that you're wearing now in the wash. And I went to a friend's poker game in Long Island that I play in sometimes. And it was a day where I had been lifting. I had done chest. I had done push that day. And then there was, like, a t- huge spread at the poker game. There was a ton of, like, dairy, like, pizza and crap. So I got bloated, which I think I, at this point I'm, like, debating nick this is not good podcast father but you guys have to listen a couple more minutes of this or at least a couple more seconds i'm debating if i'm like allergic to a lot of things because i just get insane bloating these days like forever and i can't figure this out and i'm reading a lot about it i just bought a supplement that's prebiotics so if anyone has any information on this please help me because i've been working out a lot lately but i can't seem to get rid of the gut and anytime i have any dairy which i i'm sure i'm lactose intolerant but i'm fighting through because i'm not gonna eliminate dairy from my life (laughs) Think I'm gonna give up pizza? Think I'm gonna give up cheese? Think I'm gonna give up any of these great things? No, I'm not giving that up. I'll deal with it. 
But the point is the shirt was super tight after shrinking in the wash. And I had like the bloating that day. And I just got made fun of so long and so hard by all my poker buddy friends for wearing that shirt. And they did memes on it. They did Photoshop stuff, which I can send you off pod if you want. It's very oh, funny yes. stuff making fun of me for wearing that shirt. And it was just constant jokes about that shirt all night. So I always remember it for that. I haven't really worn it since I wore it today or on the last podcast because I'm running out of shirts and need to do a wash. So it was kind of the thing. But it got ruined a bit in the wash because it got too small. Maybe I just need to find a way to lose a little bit more weight. Just go on some runs, bro. I know. I don't do cardio. Caloric deficits. Nah, you don't need to run that much, but caloric deficits, get them steps in, bro. You'll be fine. I'm not a cardio guy, and I'm not a diet guy, so I just have to figure this out on my own. I, I guess I'll have to become a diet guy. Sometimes I do the intermittent fasting. That helps. But anyway, let's talk Giants football. Let's talk draft. Here we go today. We're discussing two wide receivers, and I think the first thing to talk about with these two wide receivers, Nick, because we're going to talk about how different their profiles are, what we like, what we don't like about them, is just how crazy is it to watch these guys play in that Josh Heupel system at Tennessee? It is bonkers. It really is. And I will say this. We talked all last season about how the Giants had a coaching edge with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. I don't think any single coaching group in the in all of football in 2022 from college to the NFL gave them a bigger advantage, gave their players a bigger advantage than Heupel and his crew at Tennessee because they are just fully taking advantage of the difference in the rules between college football and the NFL when it comes to spacing, when it comes to where you can line up in the hashes, and then how to take advantage of that with your offensive system and your scheme. And that's probably why, like, you're going to hear it today, but I'm not very high at all on Jalen Hyatt. I think Jalen Hyatt is one of the most overrated prospects in this class. And part of that, it's not all of it, but part of that is because I don't like when I see the production, Nick, right? Like I'm going to look at it right now. What was it? It was insane. It was a Blitnikoff winner. It was uh 1,500. Where is it? I have it here. 1,267 yards for Hyatt this year. 15 touchdowns, 18.9 yards per catch. But then I asked myself, it's all awesome. But then how much of that is scheme production, right? Like when you watch this offense, it's obvious that they have such an edge in scheme. And there's a lot to like about Hyatt on the vertical route tree. And I think he is a really good ball tracker in the air. If I want to start there, Nick, before I get into the negatives, I'll start with my two favorite things about Hyatt. He does look like he has a second gear that's a little bit different on vertical routes. He looks smooth on his vertical routes, and he's really good at tracking on his vertical routes, right? But that's almost it for me with Hyatt. Like with some of these vertical guys, dude, I like it. Their post-catch acceleration, their post-catch ability. I don't see that at all with Hyatt. I like some of their play strength. I don't see that all with Hyatt. I like their ability to hands catch. I don't see that all with Hyatt. And then we can get into all the scheme stuff, which is a problem, which is they're running a ton of stacks where he's always the second receiver behind on the stack. So he always gets a free release, right? Every single time. 90% 90% of his snaps from the slot. These are all scheme issues in addition to all the traits issues that I'm just starting right off the bat with Hyatt. So I don't know. We were kind of going in a bunch of directions here. Center me, focus me, but I wanted to get that out at the start. One of the most important aspects of the NFL game right now, unfortunately, Giant fans know this because they didn't create any of them last year, is creating explosive plays, right? And Jalen Hyatt has the ability to change an offense in terms of what he can do from a vertical standpoint. Now, I'm actually right there with you. I'm not as high on Jalen Hyatt as others. I have a 6.5 B grade on him, which means in my little grading scale, he's boomer bust. I have that same exact grade for Tank Dell. That's how I view him. I'm higher on Tank Dell. We'll we'll get to that when we do our wide receiver rankings. But I do believe that Jalen Hyatt is boom bust. He is not a clear cut type of guy who I feel like 
will be selected in the first round and change what the offense can do because I think there is some aspects of his game that he's going to have to prove. And you brought up a lot of them, bro. But I also believe if he does go with a smart coaching staff, they will find a way to leverage what he does well to hopefully change that offense. I just don't really think it's going to be an overly consistent thing because in Josh Heupel's offense, they're using every inch of the field. Like you said, they're lining them to the far hash. What is that going to do to the defense? And that's what you got to think. Those defenses have to play Tennessee's offense so much differently than anything that Jalen Hyatt is going to see at the next level. They're going to press him. They're going to get physical with him. Even if they align him off, they're still going to find ways to knock him off his route stem. He's going to have to overcome all that. He didn't really have to deal with that all that much with all the space he was operating within, how he was aligned off the line of scrimmage. I think he only played press coverage like less than like 70 snaps in his entire college career. career, Nick. 62 snaps his whole entire career. His whole entire career. Whereas the other guy we're going to talk about, he actually did see press. And I feel like his skill set, his whole skill set is a little bit more translatable to the NFL. Hyatt, he has the speed. He has the tracking ability. I really like that. I don't think he's all that deceptive as a route runner, but he didn't also, wasn't really asked to. It was like, dude, run a deep over, run a go route, run a hitch. Boom. That's fine. That's all you're really doing. So maybe he can develop into that. We haven't really necessarily seen it, but it's not a clean eval. Like this could easily fail. And that's kind of the issue. But you want to talk about a guy who can create explosive plays, use the right way. I believe he has that opportunity to do so because he is such a vertical threat. And I actually thought he, he was definitely faster on tape than what he even timed at. Definitely. That was the shocking thing with Hyatt too, right? Like it's like you watch him on tape and you think he's going to run this insane four, three type 40 and he run ends up running a four, four flat. And that was definitely a little disappointing for me, Nick. And I don't want to go off too much of the 40 because I think you're right. I think when you look at the eye, when you've um, settled on the eye test part of this, he's faster on film than he is in the 40, but that could also just be that he's better at running vertical routes and he's better. And I think it could also have to do with his stride length. Cause he's over six foot. A lot of these other vertical guys that I compared to him, like a Tyler Scott, for example, or Marvin Mims, two players who quite frankly, I think I like both over. High. I definitely like Marvin Mims over high. And I'm considering value when I say this, right? Hyatt is projected into yeah. the back end of the first round or early second Marvin Mims, probably closer to the third, maybe second. I, Personally, I like Marvin Mims better than Hyatt overall. I'll just start by saying that. I would rather have Marvin Mims. There's way less uncertainty in his profile. Hyatt has so much uncertainty in his profile based on the scheme he ran out of. But also, a guy like Tyler Scott, those guys are a little shorter. Well, not Mims, but Scott's a little shorter. Another guy I think, like, you are you can get Trey Palmer, by the way, who transferred from LSU, and I think he played Nebraska last year, and I watched a little bit yeah. of him just for the speed factor. You can get him, like, four rounds after Hyatt, and I'm not certain that he's, like, does, he's not as good of a vertical threat as Hyatt, for sure. He's not as long. He doesn't have the stride length, which I think plays into why Hyatt is faster on film than he is in his 40. But, like, it's the same idea of a player for fourth or fifth round capital versus first round draft capital. And it just scares the hell out of me with Hyatt. I think it's good that he had explosive vertical jumps, 40 inch and broad jumps over 11 feet. That was big because that shows off his explosiveness. But then you look at Marvin Mims and hot and uh, Scott and some of these other players that I'm talking about as vertical on like the vertical type receivers in this class. They also jumped out of the gym, yeah. dude. They all like, and they also ran the 40 and the 10 yard split. And the tw- so they had similar testing numbers to Hyatt, but they don't have the same appeal i guess in these mock drafts and they're not expected to go as high and they're not seen as like these potential first round borderline guys and i think hyatt you know i don't think he'll, he should go in the first round but i think he might go in the first round and i'm just not so sure that it makes enough sense to me 
I'm wondering the team that would select him where it's like, oh, that's a good landing spot. And one team really comes to my mind. And I don't know if they have the luxury to pick him, but that's the Chargers. Like when we did our mock draft yesterday, I debated on selecting him to the Chargers. And yes, they have Josh Palmer, but Keenan Allen's getting older. You need another slot option. What the Chargers desperately missed last year was the ability to take the top off the defenses. And in Joe Lombardi's offense, he had freaking Justin Herbert in that cannon arm throwing like less yards per attempt than Daniel Jones. It made absolutely no sense. I think Hyatt can help transcend that offense. But with Kellen Moore there, I think Kellen Moore is a smart enough offensive coordinator to figure that out. But there are other offensive coordinators that if you just expect Jalen Hyatt, hey, I know you aligned a lot in the slot. If you try to line him outside, I don't know if he's beating press. I don't know how he can release outside if he's going to hold the red line, if he's going to get right. ro- rode out of bounds. I don't know any of those things. And I think the point that you brought up is the same is the same uh, destination that I arrive to when I think about all this. It's like Trey Palmer, Tyler Scott, players like that, who are similar speed type of athletes. Scott a little bit smaller, Palmer around the same size, maybe a little bit bigger. I would rather get those, those players at their draft capital to add that explosive element to this team than spending the 25th pick in the draft on a player like Jalen Hyatt, who I do believe in the right situation will have success, but I don't think he has a comprehensive profile quite yet. It's a little bit of a one-trick pony. I don't like saying that, but it is just speed right now. I think he is actually really good at concentrating and tracking the football into his hands, and he has little elements like that, but there's still a lot of question marks surrounding this type of player for the New York Giants. Because the New York Giants have a lot of different needs. And I think adding an explosive playmaker is definitely one of those needs. But I don't think it's the most important need. And I think there are other players in this draft class, in this wide receiver group, that's pretty deep. Not a lot of top-end talent, but it's pretty deep that I think can add that a little bit later on. I think you're right about that. I think if we want to focus in on a few more of the positives with Hyatt, they really do appear to be limited in in what you like in the scope of like how many there are the prop like the reason why that not every positive for a player is weighted equally right like the ability to take the top off a of defense and win vertically and track the ball which are in my opinion the two things he does the only two things he really does very good are worth a lot more than like winning in a contested catch situation or like in, in a lot of ways just like some of the like blocking for a receiver just other traits because one, like we've talked about in the past, when you have that vertical speed, it can change the way defenses defend you. They have to play their safeties further off the ball. Sometimes they have to use bracket coverage and take a safety completely out of the play. And in general, the corners may have to play a little further off the ball. We saw that last year with Darius Slayton, who was the only Giants receiver who any corners ever played off coverage on. Every other Giants receiver, they were never really in too much of a, of a cushion on off coverage. So he can do that for you schematically. The issue with Hyatt is there are a lot of receivers in this class who I think can do that for you schematically, potentially. And one more, a couple more of the good things. His athletic profile projects very well. It's the jumps are great with the vert and broad, like I said, but also the 10 and 20 yard split shows that burst and quickness off the snap, which you can see in his release. But the issue with that whole thing about the release is like we talked about earlier, Nick, 62 snaps total against uh, press coverage. They're using him on these stacked releases out of the slot where he gets a free release every time. That's not going to be the case in the NFL. It's impossible to do at that at that rate. And then so now he releases off the line of scrimmage with a guy in man coverage. And that dude just going to throw him off his route a lot, probably, if it's a good corner. Like there are issues that I saw with Hyatt watching watching him where in the middle of routes, not just on the line of scrimmage, he got physical off routes and he like lost his balance. And just he is a very light, not a strong receiver at all. I And now to add to more of the negatives I have with Hyatt, in addition to just playing all these snaps out of the slot, not facing the kind of coverage going to play in the NFL level, I think he offers very little after the catch. Like Tyler Scott is a guy who I think has more after the catch. Uh, a lot of these players with the same profile I think have more of the catch. 
I didn't see many examples of him. He's a good ball tracker, good concentration. I didn't see him. I don't think he's a he's a plucker. He doesn't pluck the ball out of the air. He doesn't have a huge catch radius. Um, he's not strong, I think, at the catch point. I don't see him running digs. I don't see him running these inbreakers over the middle where he's taking these huge hits. He is in a lot of ways like a one-trick pony. He's amazing at that trick, and that trick is worth a lot. But is that is somebody like that ever really worth high draft capital? Unless it's Deshaun Jackson, right? Where Deshaun Jackson was in a lot of ways, some people thought a one-trick pony. I think he was always a little bit more than that, Nick. I thought he was good at running like comebacks and other types of routes, but it was very one-trick S. But Deshaun Rack Jackson, I don't know if he tested like it, but that dude had like four, two, four, three type speed. He had gift difference making speed. I don't know if Jalen Hyatt has difference making speed. I would say I have seen plays of him plucking the football out of the air. Though. I want to give him credit where it's yeah. due. And I'll go through all my pros and then I'll get into his negatives and we'll discuss Cedric Tillman as well. So here are my strengths, Dan. Elite acceleration runs like a gazelle. Hyatt is tailor-made to create explosive plays. He steps on cornerback's toes in the blink of an eye on his vertical stems with his vertical release. Speed forces off coverage. Solid overall ability to stop, to open up comeback and curl routes. Did well to work into blind spots to sell the vertical stem. Has displayed some deceptiveness up his vertical stem, albeit it wasn't a huge part of his profile or how he was utilized at Tennessee. Elite separation ability via athleticism in man coverage. Very smooth on horizontal routes. Acceleration is maintained. Does have multiple gears. Caused several DPI defensive holding penalties, strikes fear into defensive backs through speed, has good hands, plucks the ball out of the air effortlessly. Excellent competitor that will block. Josh Heupel utilized him in the backfield to block sometimes, had a touchdown against Alabama in that manner, scored five touchdowns against Nick Saban, coach defense in that upset victory against Alabama, rose to the occasion against top competition. Defenses will have to play the offense differently with him on the field. Those were my strengths in his profile. I can get into a negatives whenever you want. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I think those are all fair strengths. And I didn't mean to make it frame it like he can't pluck the ball out of the air. He can. I just meant it wasn't a consistent strength in his game. It's not something that I look like. This is a great, like, we're going to talk about one guy after this his teammate who I'm like, this is a strength in his game. Yeah. Cedric Tillman, that is a big strength in his game. And so I meant more so that than it's a weakness. The real weaknesses for me are, are just one, the, the, the play strength is a huge weakness for me. And then just to be that kind of receiver and not have post-catch juice, like in the open field with the change of direction and the making people miss. I, I'll take a look now. I think I had it written somewhere. His force miss tackles was nothing special. I don't think it just, I just don't, it's just so one trick to me. Now I will say this from a projection standpoint, Nick, and this is a positive for Jalen Hyatt. If you're going to draft him and, and you're going to get him, if the giants take him, for example, 
there is a chance that despite not doing it that often, he could just be one of those guys who could translate to outside receiver because he's going to win with a speed release against press coverage every single time because he's that kind of athlete. That's possible. That's very possible that he could be that kind of player. And I think you made a good point. He does look fluid and natural on the horizontal plane, which is a good thing. I just don't fully trust him at, against NFL-level competition to always come away with those catches if, he, if he's about to get hit or in other, in, in other plays just to like have anything other than plant and get vertical after the catch. Cause I just, I don't see it really watching him. Um, I wanted yeah. to see more. I wanted to see more from him after the catch as well. Like Zay flowers after the catch, it's you see the ability to make players miss in space. I didn't necessarily see that much from Jalen Hyatt. It's more like, Hey, I have so much space to operate right. in and I'm a lot faster than everyone that's on the football field. I'm just going to leverage those strengths. But did you watch the Missouri game? Cause that's the one there's a play in that. Missouri. All right. There was a play in that game. It was a 30 yard catch on a fourth and four. So a high leverage situation against Mizzo where he ran a seam bender type of route and the cornerback had to execute a speed turn because it was a good release off the line of scrimmage from off coverage by Hyatt. So the cornerback executes the speed turn and the throw was a little bit to the inside and Hyatt did just a phenomenal job tracking the football into his hands, plucking it out of the air, getting hit, and he got tackled at about like the four or five yard line. And that was one of the plays that really kind of stuck out to me to be like, okay, I could see that he has some concentration and tracking ability. Cause I agree. It wasn't the most consistent. He's not Cedric Tillman in that manner. I don't think he has strong contested catch ability, even though there are some highlights throughout his tape that would suggest that it's not something that I feel like is consistent. Although to be fair to Hyatt, how many times did he have to make plenty that, of contested right. catches, yeah. you know, with that offense? So I, I, yeah, I think that context is also important, but I don't necessarily see that Cedric Tillman type of uh, contested catch ability from him, but I did see that tracking on that Mizzo play. So I wanted to give him a little bit of credit there, but I'll get into the weaknesses whenever you want. You can get into them in one second. I want to say it is fair though, to say that from a projection standpoint, because of what we see on the positive side from a ball tracking standpoint. And like you said, on plays like that, where he's not only tracking, but plucking, he does have some upside in contested catch situations that just might not be realized because like you said, this offense is so like bonkers and I don't even know. So like fun house offense, that's what it is. It's like a fun house offense. It's just so much space at all times. It makes it very hard to project these guys. It does make it very hard to project these guys. Although, and we'll get into Cedric Tillman a little bit. I feel like his utilization within this offense makes it easier to project. Yes. And I think that's just because, and I know we didn't run the most diverse route train. We'll get into Tillman here in a little bit, but he was still making those contested tight window type of catches coming back to the football. And even though he aligned, I think it was almost exclusively on the right side of the line of scrimmage. He was able to have a more NFL style role rather than Jalen Hyatt, who was used in stacks often bunches often slot 90% or 88% of the snap. Whereas it's a little bit more of a niche type of role, although a very important. He was niche. always behind in the stack. Yes. Yeah. They want to give him free releases. They don't want yeah. him to get pressed. In the NFL, we don't have as much space because you don't have that wide side of the field. You're going to figure out ways to get this guy pressed. You're going to figure out ways to disrupt his vertical stem off the line of scrimmage. Right. So he might not be able to leverage those elite playmaking explosive abilities. Yep. Okay. Let's get into the negatives you have for Jalen Hyatt. And then we're going to, then we're going to break down Cedric Tillman. And then we're going to wrap up by talking about where we would want these guys or if we would want these guys. Okay. I'll do that. And I could do the synopsis if you'd like as well, but here are the weaknesses within his profile. According to me, lean player who was under 190 pounds, very limited route tree, somewhat of a one trick pony for someone with his speed. I thought he'd be more elusive in space. Wasn't the smoothest in transition on in and out of his 
tight breaks, like 90 degree type of breaks, things like that. 88% of his snaps throughout his career were in the slot. Didn't make many contested catches, has good hands, but didn't have many adjustments or contested catch situations. Physical corners who land press were able to alter his release, albeit he didn't face that all that often. Rough drops against Mizzo in South Carolina that were really frustrating. Had a ton of scheme releases and design touches. We'll need to expand his release package and was a one-year wonder, which is something we didn't really talk about. He True. really didn't do much his first two years at Tennessee, and it's I think a good argument that the reason he really broke out this season was a, he had a dominant performance against Alabama where they just could not keep up with his speed and B Cedric Tillman got hurt. Cedric Tillman right. was the guy on campus heading into the college football season that everyone was talking about at the wide receiver position. Good point. And I want to get in before you get into your overall synopsis, I want to get into uh, maybe do that first. Cause this is going to be a larger discussion. And then we're going to, it'll close out the Hyatt and then we'll get into the Tillman. Okay. Hyatt is an elite athlete who is an excellent vertical threat and an explosive playmaking talent. The 2022 Belitnikov award winner combines elite separation skills with excellent competitive toughness as a blocker. He's not the most complete wide receiver. There are areas of improvement and he's not the biggest guy in the world. Despite those facts, his elite speed is a difference making trait that can land him in the first round of the draft. The NFL is predicated on creating explosive plays and Hyatt will be able to do that in the NFL. His field stretching ability will force defenses to play his team in a specific manner, which could open up several opportunities for his offense. I don't think he's a pure one trick pony because of his tracking ability, but the one trick pony is, I feel like a, a solid, at least moniker to slap on him until he can prove a lot of those other aspects of his game. But if he does reach that potential, he can foundationally change the way an offense employs its personnel. I think that's very fair. All right. Let me ask you one thing before we move to Tillman. And this is kind of going to the discussion of Hyatt. Say Flowers, Jordan Addison, two receivers before them that we've already profiled. The Giants have on their roster Jameson Crowder, Sterling Shepard, Wondell Robinson, all slated to potentially, or, or sorry, not Jameson Crowder. I'll throw Jameson Crowder in there, but let's throw Paris Campbell in there too because he's more likely to play some kind of role. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. And take Shepard out of discussion for this because he's good at what I'm about to talk about, and he's also injury prone, so we can't be sure he's going to be on the field, Sterling Shepard. We continue to talk about all these players, and on the one side of it, Nick, I think, well, I don't really care how big the Giants receivers are because I think what's most important for the system is just separation skills, and I saw what Dable and Kafka did with the stacks, with the free releases, with the bunch, and it was interesting, and it worked, and it got these, these small receivers free releases, and it helped them create separation. That's the one side. The other side to me, Nick, is I think about it like this. We already have all those guys I mentioned. And we are a team that one has Saquon Barkley on the roster and two like to run and had some of our best success running power gap type concepts to the perimeter in the run game last year. Sometimes with Daniel Jones, sometimes with Saquon Barkley or whoever is that running back. Occasionally we also ran boot action where Jones would keep the ball. I mean, at some point you have to consider, is this risky to draft these 180 Jalen Hyatt's 176 pounds. Jordan Addison, 173 pounds. Zay Flowers, 184 pounds. Is it risky to draft these kinds of players and and in the sense that can you project them to hold up at all as blockers at the next level? Like you said, Jalen Hyatt was competitive as a blocker in the collegiate level, but like now you're facing NFL-level talent and size. Like how many guys are we going to put on the field who can't we can't rely on to block on the perimeter and then also try to run a power run game? It's a great observation. I'm not really sure because you have a guy like Sterling Shepard who you excluded from this, who we know is a pretty solid blocker, Darius Slayton. I would say an above average blocker for an NFL wide receiver, but I'm a little concerned about all those other players. Paris Campbell, I can't really speak to his blocking 
and it was a smaller guy, I can tell you that I feel like he has a lot more athletic upside than maybe some are giving credit for, even though he had all those serious injuries. But I can't really speak to his blocking, and I'm not a huge I believer that Wondell Robinson is going to be an above-average blocker because of his size. And if you add Jalen Hyatt, I think he's going to compete his ass off. But I don't know how much of an impact he'll have in terms of I'm in the slot and I got to go and block a safety coming downhill. I'm a little bit du- pounds. at 176 pounds. I'm a little bit dubious with that. But I think you can say that same argument for Zay Flowers and right. for Jordan Addison too. So if we are considering wide receiver at 25, and let me be clear here, not to spoil anything, I'm much more interested in Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison than I am Jalen Hyatt. But I think that's going to be an issue no matter what in terms of how you employ the personnel specifically in the slot with Hyatt and Wanda Robinson. And you can't just be, say, if Sterling Shepard is healthy or Jamison Crowder, who I believe is another scrappy type of blocking individual, if they are healthy and they are out there, you can't just put them out there on rundowns and expect the defense not to for the fact that you're going to be running the football. So you got to kind of really overcome that. Now, I don't think that's a big reason why I'm not going to select Jalen Hyatt. I don't think that's overly important to me because of what he can add as an explosive threat. But for all the reasons that we listed before, yes, I can get a player who can add an explosive element to my offense later and then find a cornerback or a defensive lineman or an edge rusher or something else at 25. That's the reason why I'm kind of discounting Jalen Hyatt at 25. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me, Nick, because um, you know even guys like Shepard and Crowder who are feisting competitive, they don't think they're giving you any kind of massive advantage as blockers. Even Shepard, I think Shepard is a tryhard, and he has some really good blocks. And he has some fun blocks down the field, like especially back in 2018, and he's a good blocker for his size. But these aren't guys with huge, lengthy frames, and these aren't really huge receivers who can block like you want to talk about a great blocker have you seen michael wilson out of stand like that dude is going to be a blocker yeah. at the next level he's going to be able to crack down and on defensive ends he's going to be able to seal off these these smaller corners and give saquon barkley a potential lane on the outside and we're it's just weird to me because we're this team that is preferring all these smaller receivers because they're creating separation and that does work for what daniel jones is going to say but at the same time we're also a power run team that wants to get our linemen on the move and then last year you know we found some success using these tight ends as sniffers and all these things like in motion but at the same time, are you really just going to rely only on the tight ends? You kind of want that perimeter blocking too. And I think about this because I read a really good article about how Brandon Ayuk got out of Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. And he was in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse for whatever reason, and he got out of it by blocking his ass off and becoming one of the better blocking receivers in the NFL. And you could see it on the tape, and it makes such a difference for that outside zone scheme. And we're not an outside zone scheme like Shanahan, but we are a team that wants to get to the perimeter with Barkley at times. And it's just weird to me that like it's it's not really meshing together <laughs> the the combination of like receivers that we're trying to get here the ones who we're all talking about in this draft Addison Flowers Hyatt whatever these first round receivers and then what we want to do in the run game. I also want to make one observation that contends what we we're both saying right here, and that's Isaiah Hodgins. He's yes. a blocker. Guy blocks his ass off. So you're talking about two receivers if you are in 12 personnel, which I feel like the Giants might use a solid amount next year. I don't think it's going to be more than 11 personnel. Not many teams employ 12 personnel more than 11 personnel. But I think with Darren Waller and Daniel Bellinger, you want Bellinger out there when it is a run down because he can offer upside as a receiver and as a run blocker. Darren Waller, not as much as a run blocker, but you have a 12 personnel package with those two and then Hodgins and Slayton. It's a pretty solid blocking skilled position group right there. Yeah. It's one that I 
I think is well above average in terms of blocking. And I think the Giants are going to have a really interesting 12 personnel package that they're going to employ, similar to what we saw from their pony personnel, their 21 personnel package. And they were able to do a lot of crafty, nifty things out of that. I think you can really create explosive plays from your 12 personnel package. And that was probably going to take any of the wide receivers that the Giants select if you are going to run the football, at least off the field in 12 during certain situations. But again, you can't become predictable, right? Because if you right. draft Dave Flowers, you draft Jordan Addison, those guys aren't going to be sitting on the bench for Isaiah Hodgins or Darius Slayton if they are accustomed to the NFL, you know? So right. that's where I think the juggling act kind of gets interesting. Yeah, it does get really interesting there. And I, I think, you know, it goes back to the Waller. I don't feel like is going to be too much of an addition to us in the blocking game. We'll see what happens yeah. there. But that's a problem. Like go, this Waller trade. So I still love it because I just think it was great value. Hundredth pick in the NFL draft or whatever it was yeah. was just not going to amount to m most in most times. I also think Darren Waller is just really talented and underrated a lot based on his length and his uh, contested catchability. But just like roster building wise, Nick, I, it just sucks that we did this from the sense that like this tight end class is so freaking stacked. And like, there are so many guys that I would love to put in this team with Daniel Bellinger and then run 12 with those guys. that are going to be blocker types that are going to, you know what I mean? It's just like with this class, it's just so insanely talented at, at tight end at the top. And then wildly deep too, with like day three options that I love. And it's just like how it shakes out. It didn't, I don't love it from that standpoint, but that's just, you know, you can't think of it like one draft class. I think the giants though, in order to do right by Daniel Jones, who you just re-signed yeah. to a pretty hefty extension, you need to give him an explosive playmaking threat. And I think this is the only veteran explosive playmaking threat that you were going to get at this type of value, unless you wanted to pay out the ass for like Odell Beckham Jr. for 18 million or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah, you're not going to exactly. do that. So, right. That's why it was still a great trade. Like they got him and it's proven. That's the thing. All these draft guys we can talk about. Oh, we love Dalton Kincaid. Oh, I love, you know, Duke Shoemaker. I love this tight end here. Oh, Will Mallory. But those are all unproven guys. Exactly. And tight end, like we've said this before, I think Daniel Bellinger exceeded expectations. I don't think we talk about it enough. And when you look at his stats, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? He had like, what, less than 400 yards and two receiving touch. It's like, but if you watch the tape, like all the Giants fans did, that guy exceeded expectations. That doesn't happen often from these rookie tight ends. And I'll say this too, Dan, I think the giants are out of the tight end market on day one and day Me two, too. but there are some good ones later in the draft, man. Like you brought up the Michigan kid, Schoonmaker, or however the hell you say his name. I feel like him. And I really like Payne Durham. Yeah. He's not exciting. He's not flashy, but he'll block his ass off. And he has some of the best hands in this draft class. He's just not going to really run away from you. But as a tight end three, I'd entertain that. I mean, the giants last yeah. year, they told us as much that they wanted a, a a Darren Waller type by bringing in Lawrence Cager. And they tried to utilize him like that, but Lawrence Cager, he's not Darren Waller. Now you have Darren Waller. Lawrence Cager can compete for a role. He might not make the roster. You bring in Tommy Sweeney. I don't know if Tommy Sweeney's going to make the roster, but there's still a spot for that tight end three. And a player like Payne Durham with one of the seven day three picks that the Giants have, the Purdue tight end, I'm willing to make that investment because I think he'll be a good tight end, like a good rotational tight end, depth piece who can possibly grow into a starter later down the line. I think that's a great call. And I think for any of us or for those of you and obviously for Nick and I who watched Charlie Jones and we did a draft profile on Charlie Jones, one of our favorite sleeper receivers, it was impossible not to see the player you're talking about right there. Like he was all over the field. He was targeted at times more than Charlie Jones Durham, And I think it, he's kind of like a he was an interesting watch. I felt like he was pretty good, too. I was surprised at how good he was. 
He's a less athletic version of Daniel Bellinger, who I Ooh. think maybe isn't as good of a blocker, but is still a good blocker for a tight end. Who isn't as good of a blocker in your mind? I think Daniel Bellinger is a better blocker. Yes, me too. Okay, okay. Just making yeah, sure. Yeah. My, Bellinger, my thing, better I didn't watch Daniel Bellinger's tape in, in college, but okay. I remember when the Giants made that draft pick and I was like, let me get into this pick. You know, I heard about him, you know, I heard about him and whatnot, yeah. but let's, I was like blown away by his physical. It's just, you didn't see the receiving upside. You know, right. you just didn't see it because that's not how San Diego State used him. I think that is such a good pick by the New York Giants. And I feel like you found a true starting tight end who now you're not even relying on to be your number one tight end because you brought in Darren Waller. And people will be like, oh, yeah, this is a knock on Daniel. But it's like, no, it's not. It's just yes. giving your offense more options. And Darren Waller has more athletic upside than a player like Daniel Bellinger. But trust me, Daniel Bellinger is still going to be involved in this offense because he earned it and he's a good damn football player. Both things true. And like you said before, you don't you rarely see rookie tight ends play as much as Derek, uh, Daniel Bellinger did last year. And that's a sign that the coaches felt very strongly about the film he was putting out there. Um, I will say this about uh, Luke Shoemaker, who you mentioned from Michigan. I felt like I watched him recently. He's one of my favorite day three guys. He reminded me so much of Daniel Bellinger in ways yeah. that they used him in his blocking and his ability to kind of hit those quick outs and those quick breakers and just be like that intermediate threat. I still think there's more of a vertical element to Bellinger's game. I'm going to keep talking about this because I really do believe it. We saw it a few times on film. The ball didn't go his way, but he got open. So we'll, we'll see that this year. But this let's refocus this back in now. One more thing on Shoemaker too. Yes. He's a pretty good athlete. Like he's a much better athlete than Payne. Amazing Durham, so. athlete. Yeah, Bellinger was a great athlete too. Shoemaker exactly. somehow even better athlete, but one negative or not negative, but one thing that red flag in the Joe Shane sense is Bellinger was an extremely young tight end prospect. Shoemaker is not a young tight end prospect. I believe he's 24 years old. So just a thought on that as far as will the Giants pursue a player like that? I would love them too, though. I don't care about the age. I think he's really good. And that's Luke Shoemaker, the tight end out of Michigan. Day three target potentially for us. We'll see. Back to this podcast, Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver now, the second wide receiver out of Tennessee. And this is a wide receiver who both Nick and I like a lot more than Jalen Hyatt uh, in relation to where he's kind of projected to go. So I'll just talk a little bit about what I liked so much about Tillman. I like that he played through injury in 2022 for the team. And I think in a lot of ways, the reason Jalen Hyatt was so successful is because Tillman was on the field, despite obviously being so injured and it impacted his production. But if you look back to 2021, when he was fully healthy, Tillman, 64 catches, 1,081 yards and 12 touchdowns. And despite being injured over the last two seasons, Cedric Tillman, who, by the way, Cedric, whenever I think of the name Cedric, Nick, this is a little, uh, you know, a wire reference that I have to get out there. It's RIP Cedric, uh, the, the actor. Now, I'm, damn, I'm blanking on his name. who played Cedric in The Wire. And you guys will kill me for not remembering the actor's name. I'm so bad with names. But... I, I even I don't remember the name, but I know the exact actor. He was in Oz as well. Lance Reddick. OK, yeah. So Lance Reddick, who played Cedric Daniels in The Wire incredible performance and i just always yeah. think of that name cedric i love the name cedric but anyway back to cedric tillman so i went over his good stats in 2020 but also despite being injured over the last two se uh, last season nick he still had 19 contested catches according to pro football focus over the last two seasons which i thought was extremely impressive he's things i love about tillman one like i was talking about before he's one of the true 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 in this class plucker away from his frame hand catchers and there aren't that many in this class but he will have he's presents you a massive catch radius and he will pluck away from his frame and he has really good hands in doing so 10 inch hands huge hands massive hands here which is good that projects really well six foot three 213 really good size profile four five four for a six foot three 213 with 10 inch hands is really good from that standpoint 
I felt like he was super physical in his routes, which I like. I thought, you know, you always talk to me when we used to watch football together, Nick, about how you always felt like Mike Evans got away with so many <laughs> OPIs. But the reality is the NFL refs just don't really call offensive pass interference the way they call defense pass interference. They'll call it if they if the if you see like what the Giants did last year, which is this constant like picks over the middle, they'll call those. But if it's one-on-one on the outside, I rarely see enough OPIs. And so it becomes a skill for these wide receivers, the ones who can be physical in their route running and get away with OPI. And I feel like there are plenty of times I saw watching Tillman where he would use his physicality and his strong hands to kind of create a little bit of a push off that would he would get away with, and then he'll come back to the ball and he'll flash his hands and he'll pluck it out of the air. And these are the types of traits I just love watching when I, I love with receivers, man. These are always my kinds of receivers um, as well. Now, I will say this about Tillman. Um, it's just like what you said with Hyatt, though a little bit more. He faced some press coverage, but in that system, you're not facing like a crazy amount of press coverage at all times. That scares me. I felt like a couple other things with Tillman that bothered me a little bit with him. Um, was the fact that he uh, didn't think he was like that great at I'm trying to think of how I would term this, Nick, that great at like getting in and out of his breaks in the sense of like sl- throttling down and then like kind of making that inbreaker or that outbreaker. I don't think that's going to be part of his game. I think he's going to not going to, he, he can run that, but I don't know if he's going to run that well at the next level, those types of routes. I also feel like his route tree in general was limited, but you could say that about everyone in this offense, anyone who plays in this Josh Heupel offense. So that scares me a little bit with him. Um, there are question. There's a much bigger concern I have with Tillman, but I want to get that to that at the very end. And that concern relates to the Giants specifically, but I want to get to that at the end because it's going to be a bigger conversation. But overall, I felt like he has a really good profile. He plucks the ball in the air. He uses physicality well, and he can block. He's now the opposite of what we were discussing before, right? You put him on your offense, and now you have a potentially really good perimeter blocker. You have a really good perimeter blocker, but you also just have the traditional X type of receiver that we talked right. about so much over the last like half decade about the New York Giants. I think you can argue that the Giants might have that right now in an Isaiah Hodgins, who I believe is very underrated, and I'm glad the Giants brought him back on a one-year deal. But I really like Cedric Tillman's state, man. Six foot three, 215 pound receiver. He's 22 years old. Like we said a little bit earlier, this was the guy at Tennessee before he suffered a high ankle sprain that he returned from and played through and still had dominant performances. Like I think I brought this up on a previous podcast, but one of the things I love most about Cedric Tillman, going back to his dominant 2021 campaign, was he had really good film against Georgia and Alabama. And then this year, in 2022, he also had really good film, I believe it was, against Georgia again. So this is a player who is performing against Keely Ringo. He's performing against Cam Smith, who we caught a fade touchdown against against the Gamecocks in 2022. He's performing against top-level competition. Now, he didn't really run that many routes. You're talking about like a hitch, outside release, vertical. Like He didn't really do all that much. And he aligned, like I said a little bit earlier, predominantly on the right side. I thought he throttled down to a solid degree on those comeback and those curl routes. He does use physicality, and I love how he like runs back to his quarterback to get away from coverage. He understands where the coverage is, and he knows to run back to the quarterback, present his hands, gigantic hands, great and contested catch situation. I feel like there were some times where he had some frustrating drops, which is going to happen every now and again, but I love how he commands the catch point. And I think he is a he's not the athlete that Jalen Hyatt is, but he is a good enough athlete. Like If he's long striding, he can hit pretty good vertical speed, which I believe 
was on display against Pitt. I think it was. He had like a 60-yard catch, I think it was, against Pitt. Got tackled down on like the one-yard line, but he extended over, did the whole Dez Bryant, and the ball came out and everything like that. And he was tackled at the one-yard line. ended up being like a rushing touchdown or something like that. But I saw how he could open up his stride and create separation against that zone coverage cornerback. I um I really like his game. I think he's going to be a good value on day two. And I don't think there's just a lot of receivers in this draft class, Dan, who have his type of profile in terms of how big he is with the athletic ability that he does possess. And let's not undersell the athletic ability because I talked about earlier the 454 40-yard dash, but he also had a 37-inch vert and almost an 11-foot broad jump. So the explosiveness is there. And I feel like this, again, is a really tough offense to project Nick, but his skill set and what he does, I think is more easy to project the NFL than what Hyatt does. And that's why I feel more comfortable even in general projecting a player like Tillman. If it was up to me, I would draft Tillman over Hyatt. That's the, that's just how I would go about this thing. Um, not necessarily for the Giants though, which we're going to get into later. And we'll talk about that at, at some point, but not just yet. One thing that does concern me about Tillman is he has 7-3-2, three-cone, which is not very good. It's what you expect. He's not really the change of direction type of receiver. But I always struggle to some degree with these receivers because I used to be much higher on them. Like in the past, Nick, I used to be all about size, hand catching, catch radius, plucking away from frame, all the traits that Tillman has. And I get caught up on a lot of these prospects. Like Brian Edwards was a receiver prospect who I thought was going to be amazing in the NFL. I thought he was unbelievable. And I worry about these types of guys who don't really change direction well, who maybe don't explode off the line of scrimmage. They're more of like build-up speed type guys with long strides. Sometimes those guys get to the NFL level and they just can never beat They can never get clean releases. They can never create separation off the line of scrimmage. And then they just become kind of the guys you got to hope to throw the ball up to. And you have to then have like a really, you have to have like, there's only three or four NFL quarterbacks who even trust to throw jump ball type court to these receivers, because not only do you have to like be willing to throw these jump balls, you have to kind of rip them in there. Like I think one of the better jump ball back shoulder contested catch type uh, quarterbacks, the NFL is Matthew Stafford, who didn't play last year, but has, and, Part of what makes him that way is he really rips. He's got a ton of velocity on those. So it's not just high and away from the receiver's frame. It's also a rip there. So like, and Herbert does it sometimes too. So I just start to get a little concerned with these types of receivers as I've been going on. I've, I've had a lot that I've loved bust. Think about Cedric Tillman though, too, man. If you watch some of that 2021 tape before that injury, how he releases off the line of scrimmage when he gets vertical. I mean, he was blowing past Alabama cornerbacks. He had a long touchdown in that 2021 game against Alabama. He had another one that went for, I think, like 39 yards on a beautifully thrown back shoulder ball where Tillman was turned to the inside and he had to flip his hips around, turn around, locate the football, then high pointed away from the cornerback through contact. And those little traits are the ones that I really appreciate about this guy's game. I think when the ball is in the air, he understands that's my football and I have every right to that football. And he doesn't allow the cornerback to even get the positioning because he is so strong at the catch point and he can big body players. I think that's translatable. And I understand the concern, Because you're right, there are a lot of those wide receivers who don't really create all that much separation in college, but they're contested catch guys, Laquan Treadwell to players like that, right? I think Cedric Tillman, though, is athletic enough to have a role in which he's not going to flounder, in which he's not going to fail at the NFL level because of all of these little subtle traits. Yeah, he's not going to blaze past people and cut on a dime, but a lot of people criticize DK Metcalf 
for not being able to do those things. And that's one of the reasons why he fell to the second round. Now, I think DK Metcalf have a totally different profile. I think he's a bigger guy. He had a shit ton of injuries going back to his time at Ole Miss, but I liked DJ DK Metcalf's potential a little bit more maybe than Cedric Tillman. But I still think, man, in this draft class, if you're looking for a big body X type of receiver and you can get him on day two, a guy like Cedric Tillman, man, you can't really go wrong there, in my opinion. I feel the same way about that, even with the warts that I potentially brought into the mix. But let's talk about more specifically if it fits for the Giants, right? So the two questions I have for you are, one, do Shane and Dable even give a shit about these kinds of receivers? I know they get, they have one in, in Isaiah Hodgins, right? So it shows us that maybe they do care. But we have also heard them say, like we just fo- we think we have a little bit. They didn't say this part of it, but I think they feel like they have a little bit of an edge in targeting receivers because they're going for just separation. They're like focusing completely on how do these se- receivers separate at the top of their breaks. And you know, if you're looking at that, if you're focusing on that, Tillman might not be as high up your board. But the second thing that worries me even more that I want to get your thoughts on, so you can answer that. And 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 in addition to answering the second part, which I think will be a longer conversation, is does this kind of profile? fit at all with Daniel Jones? And if not, will anything change with Daniel Jones? Because we have five years now of Jones, right? We brought in Kenny Galladay to try to be this guy. Even Isaiah Hodgins, who has this ability. How many times did we see these contested catches by Isaiah Hodgins away from his frame, down the field, and sticky man one-on-one coverage on the vertical plane or on the outside hashes on a back shoulder? We didn't see it at all. We didn't see it with Galladay at all. We didn't see it with any of the receivers before Galladay. We saw one thing last year when Daniel Jones got hurt two years ago, I should say, in 2021. Mike Glennon comes in against the Chargers in his first game, and he immediately hits Kenny Galladay on a back shoulder ball right away. And, like, yeah, you can talk about, like, the one to uh, Slayton, I guess, in the Jacksonville game. I guess that's considered back. That's not really back shoulders to me. That's Slayton winning on the vertical plane, the ball kind of, not slowing down, but like, you know, he throws it up and, and Slayton high points it fine. But I'm just talking about like intermediate routes in between the twenties, like this type of receiver, the way that Tillman can win. I'm not so sure it meshes at all with what Daniel Jones does now. Cause what Daniel Jones does now is he throws with precision and he throws on, you know, the horizontal plane a lot. And it's mostly based on timing and rhythm. And I'm just not sure that sure that I know he's not doing it now, but I don't think that's going to change in year five. Like that's, to me, who he is as a quarterback, even thinking back to some of what I watched at Duke, I don't really remember too many of those throws either. He threw some good vertical balls and some good post wheels and things like that. It's not like he can't throw the balls, but I don't know. It just seems to me like this is profile doesn't fit Daniel Jones. To your first question on Cedric Tillman being with the New York Giants, I think this coaching staff can really make anybody work, but I do believe you bring up a valid point that they're looking for more of the tank Dells and not just smaller guys, but guys who are a little bit more equipped to create immediate separation. I think that's the pivotal trait that they're looking for. And to be smart, I think Cedric Tillman is a smart player, but he's also going to be a 23 year old rookie. He's going to be 23 at the draft. He only aligned on the right side of the field. I don't think the injuries, the high angle sprain will really deter the giants from exploring him. But I think in the giants current predicament, I don't know if they would spend the 57th pick on Cedric Tillman if he was available, even at 57, because another team might value his skill set a little bit more. And I do love Cedric Tillman, but I do think that's a reality with the giants current coaching staff and what they're looking to do. There's a lot of other wide receivers in this draft class who maybe have a a higher likelihood of creating separation at the next level. Although I do think Cedric Tillman can still create separation. We only really saw him do it on the vertical plane. He didn't really run that many dig routes and things like that. It's a little bit of projection there. To your second point, Daniel Jones. 
I think 2019 Daniel Jones would mesh well with Cedric Tillman. In Pat Shermer's offense, bro, we saw him attack one-on-one situations and kind of play a little bit of a YOLO style. A lot of it was in garbage time, right? But one of the reasons why we really liked the relationship that Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton had was because whenever there was a one-on-one matchup and it didn't even have to be a ton of separation, Daniel Jones seemed to have the confidence to throw it up to Darius Slayton. I don't think we really have seen that since 2019 because Jason Garrett came in and was like, we're just going to not have you throw the ball into any kind of precarious situations. Because if you remember 2019, he had some interceptions against Green Bay and Washington that were like, yo, bro, what the hell are you doing, Daniel? You know, so like, I, I think it's something that maybe with a receiver like this, he'd feel a little bit more comfortable. I'm hoping because you have Darren Waller. Darren Waller is similar, only he's right. coming out of a more inline type of position. True. But that Jason Garrett era, I think, really kind of really put it into Daniel Jones' mind, like, don't take these shots if they're there. And maybe last season, we saw him be pretty judicious with the football. He hasn't really broken away from that. But if the Giants were to add this player, that means they have a a uh, a vision for how they're going to utilize him. And if you're not going to utilize Cedric Tillman in that way, then why the hell would you draft him? Yeah. And I think on the vert in the vertical plane, that was definitely true of his 2019 season, though it was somewhat concentrated. I think the Detroit Lions game in his 2019 yeah. season was a great example yeah. of him throwing those types of passes. But outside of that, I don't think it was very often. I think he was able to do it and did it sometimes. But if we're if we're excluding like the the slot verts, like he threw some contested balls to Tate up the slot, like what? I, like that's not what I'm. But I'm mostly talking about like back shoulders and stuff in the between the 20s range. That's the kind of that's where I think Tillman can really win in that range, throwing gotcha. it to his back shoulder away from his frame. And I just don't think that's part of this offense that much. So it just it just concerns me a little from that standpoint. Like, will how quick will the fit be? Will it be something like we draft the Tillman? We know it's great value, but it just takes so long to get it going versus another guy who not Hyatt because we don't really like him either of us, but like a Tank Dell where I can immediately see Tank Dell creating offense for the Giants just immediately. Like he put him on the field tomorrow, and I think he's creating offense for Jones because he's winning, like you said, early, and he's providing those layup throws for the quarterback, which I think in, in, in a lot of ways are more important. You just don't want all that. So it's just something to consider there on that front. Um, yeah, go ahead. Tank Dell, too, man. Whew, some of his releases, they're sick. He faced so much press, and it didn't matter. And I think <laughs> at the NFL, you put him up against like Sauce Gardner, which I actually watched the 2022 game when yeah. Tank Dell freshman season against Sauce. And I was like, it was so obvious that Sauce Gardner was meant to be a top five pick and was going to be like an all pro, like just how disciplined and just how certain everything was. It was just like, you're not going to beat me. And Tank Dell really just couldn't beat him because Sauce Gardner was just such a freaking good prospect. And that's why we loved him here on this podcast. And so many people loved him. And he would have been a New York Giant if he was there at five. I don't care what anybody says. Like he was definitely going to be the Giants pick. But I love Kayvon Thibodeau. But yeah, Sauce is a different type of cat, bro. And if anyone wants to watch that, because I obviously watch that game as well, it's a really good game to watch. If you're trying to watch these college prospects, well, we get to watch one against the best corner or one of the best corners in the NFL, which somehow he already is, Sauce Gardner. You can find that on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube, the Tank Dell versus uh, Sauce Gardner. So just type that into YouTube and you can watch how Tank Dell looks against Gardner. And I think Nick described it well. Gardner's just, Sauce Gardner's just at the right, at the point of the throw every single time. He's just so, he's, he's just unbelievable at the corner position. And I do like Kayvon Thibodeau a lot. But there's no doubt in my mind the Giants would be a better team if they lost, if they had the fifth pick instead of the sixth pick and took Sauce Garner. I'm sorry to say it. it's just the fourth, damn truth. Yeah, yeah fourth yeah. or fifth. It's the damn truth, no matter what anyone. I mean, it's sorry. It, it's the truth. And that's not to say it's no knock on 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 Kayvon Thibodeau. And like Nick said, they would have taken him there. But anyway, back to this podcast. Let's 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 wrap up now by talking about 
one, would you want either of these two receivers at 25 overall or at any point on day one if the Giants trade back? No, I don't want either of these receivers on day one. Same. Two, would you want either of these wide receivers on day two via trade up into around the 40-ish range? Probably not. I'm not really looking to trade up when I think Jalen Hyatt would be one of the skill sets that you'd want on the Giants in terms of separation ability and explosiveness. But like we said, I think there are other players a little bit later on who can offer a similar type of skill that Jalen Hyatt can offer, but it's just at a discount, at a value. Agreed. So I'm with you on that as well, Nick. And then finally, if either of these players slipped to where the Giants are currently picking in, in round two, one, would you make the pick? And two, would you consider it a no-brainer? I don't consider either a no-brainer. I think there's a lot of players who I'm going to be interested in at pick 57. So no, I don't believe it's a no-brainer. Would I make the pick? It depends on how the board is for really both of these players. There's a part of me, man, and I think I like Cedric Tillman's game better. And I have the boom bust pick labeled onto Jalen Hyatt, which means like, yeah, I have him valued higher according to my grading chart, but there is a real negative element towards that value because it is a boom bust type of player. But I think Jalen Hyatt would, I think, be the player who would fit better into what the Giants want to do rather than Cedric Tillman. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think for me, neither would be no brainer at 57 overall. I'd be happier with Tillman than Hyatt, but I wouldn't want, I don't think I would want Tillman for sure because of what you just said, Nick. I don't love his fit in this offensive system. And then on Hyatt, I don't really like Hyatt much as a prospect. It feels like amazing value at 57 if, if you quote unquote falls there based on mock drafts and what you hear. But I feel like his profile is incredibly overrated by the mock drafts, just incredibly overrated. There's just so much potential for this to go wrong. He's not a one trick pony. Like you said, he's a two trick pony. But that second trick is tied into that first trick. Ball tracking is tied into his vertical game. So I just his post catch is really where it scares me the most His inability to create to create uh, force missed tackles in addition to just his play strength really scares me. I don't want Hyatt to be honest at all on this Giants team. At 57, I guess you have to consider it because it seems like great value. But Tillman, I'd be OK with it. 57, but he wouldn't he probably wouldn't be my preference. Yeah, I think I would like other position groups more, but right. you talk about round three or if the Giants were to trade down, have two first round or two second round picks for whatever you talk about late round two, I would entertain it for sure. I mean, I like his skill set. Again, I think this coaching staff is smart enough to find a way to leverage it, but is it the best fit at that selection? And that's where I kind of am having second thoughts. Yeah. And I'll say this about that pick at 57, why it's not necessarily a no brainer for Nick or I. If let's say Joe Tittman or John Michael Smith is on the board, we'd probably both go that direction over Tillman or Hyatt, right? Yeah, I would, right. yes. If Jack Campbell's on the board, I think I would rather have Campbell too. Imagine if Drew Sanders is, if we're just going to stick out Sanders is on the board, yeah. right? Because linebackers that. fall in the NFL draft. I'd rather have Drew Sanders. So, I just think there's so many smart defensive coordinators going to be like, yo, right. give me that guy. Like, yeah, I can do a lot of that. problem guy. with that. Because like, what's his name went to the Zaven Collins went earlier than people <laughs> for that exact reason. You know, like someone was like, I'm going to turn this guy into my my defensive focal point. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. Let's wrap this show up, though, by uh, by grading one of your guys' mocks. Because, A, we forgot to do it on the last show. And then, B, now they're starting to pile in, which I freaking love. So, one more time, I'm going to say this. I wish I'd said at the beginning of the show. People keep saying, say it at the beginning of the show because then people will do it. But please do us a favor. If you're watching on YouTube, help our show grow by not only telling your friends about it, but hit the subscribe button. 
and hit the like button on any video you watch. We'll see like 6,000 or 3,000 views, whatever it is, and then only like 60 likes. We need to get that up to like 1,000 likes or 400, 500 likes just to start a starting point. So like the videos, and then please, if you want to help us really grow, Download these podcasts wherever you listen to them, Spotify or iTunes. And remember, if you want your mock draft graded at the end of one of these shows, put in a review and rating on iTunes where you drop your mock draft in. So here's a mock. I'm going to try to make sure I haven't missed mocks as I'm looking through these right now. And I'm just going to take a quick look. We did that one. Sorry, this is bad radio, but I don't want to repeat any of the mocks. We did that one. I don't think we did Mimi's mock. So let's do Mimi's mock. And in Mimi's mock, Mimi says, Mimi3193 says, I love the pod. Let me know what you'll think of my pick, of my mock draft. So at 25 overall, Nick, the Giants select Brian Branch, safety. And I consider him like safety slash corner, to be honest with you. I think he could be a dominant nickel corner, potentially at the NFL level, which I love about his profile. So they got Brian Branch at 25. At 57, Julius Brents is on the board. And they go Julius Brents back-to-back secondary, which I love. At pick 89, Cedric Tillman falls. So the player we're discussing today, Cedric Tillman, at pick 89. Then at 128, Tajay, Tajay Spears, the running back out of Tulane, who we've talked about. At 160, Andrew Voorhees, the guard out of USC. At 172, Yaya Diaby, the edge out of Louisville. I would be shocked if he felt he said 172. I kind of like his game, Diaby. I've seen some stuff that I really like. Tyler Lacey at 209, the D-line at Oklahoma State. 240 is Corey Trice, the corner out of Purdue, who's a definite bet on trades type of guy. Um, and I don't think he'll fall that long, but then again, no. how- Tyreek Woolen fell pretty far, but I think that's kind of like the NFL correct itself, overcorrect itself type of thing on that. 243 is Yazir Abdullah, linebacker out of Louisville. And then 254 is Jordan McFadden, the center out of Clemson. What do you make of this draft? I really like this draft. I love the focus on the secondary. I think Brian Branch and Julius Brents just back to back, two totally different players who are going to offer different things that will, I think, Thing complement each other well within Wink Martindale's system. Cedric Tillman, look, we're talking about him. He's here at pick 89. I would certainly entertain that. And like I said, I think the Giants would find a way to leverage his skill set. So I like adding a wide receiver. It's not the explosive threat that I think the Giants need, but still you're adding a competent wide receiver in the top 100. Taji Spears, absolute home run at pick 128. And I like the Andrew Voorhees pick. And yes, he's not going to play next year because I believe he tore his ACL at the combine. But this is a good developmental player who would have been an early day two type of selection, the guard out of USC, who could probably be the, I would say, long-term solution at right guard once Mark Lewinsky leaves. Love that. Yaya Diaby, absolute freak athlete who was 46th percentile, 40, and 93rd percentile, 10-yard split, has gigantic hands, solid arm length. I think he would be a good situational pass rusher to step in for the Giants. And then Trice, look, Trice is kind of like skyrocketing up boards right now, according to the media, but he's another, like you said, bet on traits guy. So I really like this, man. I got to go with a nice, strong A. I'm going A+. plus. I don't think you can do a better draft than this. This is. It seems unlikely this will all fall into yeah, place, but I've come around strong on Brian Branch at 25. He's one of my top targets for the Giants. Top realistic targets, I should say. Like I don't really think they're going to get a chance at Joey Porter Jr. I'd love to have Joey Porter Jr. I don't know if they're really going to get a chance at Deontay Banks. Branch, I've seen safeties fall. Kyle Hamilton fell to 14 last draft, and he was a better prospect than Branch. Love the pick with Brents at 57. Tillman at 89. I don't love him at 57, but I love him at 89. And then just insane value plays with Tajay Spears and Yaya Diaby. But I will say this. Andrew Voorhees is like right up my alley, right, Nick? Like, you know, every year I go on here and I say, last year was Damone Clark who the Cowboys took. I say, draft these injured guys. They're only falling because of injury, but you're getting so much value on them. You don't need to worry just about next year. It's all about 
the next four years with these guys under contract cheap. So this is as perfect as a draft you can get. You even get Corey Trace. Trice at 2240, who's like 6'3, 210, can potentially be a perfect fit for the system. Like, this is just a phenomenal draft by you, uh, Minmi. And we're going to do one more here just because there's a lot to catch up on and get to over the course of this uh, podcast. We're going to do one more here. This one is from, and we're, the rest of you, I know there's probably like another 10 in the docket. You'll get yours uh, graded on the next few shows. We're doing one a day at least for this podcast through the rest of the draft. It feels like so. You'll be, you'll be get to, but. Uh, we'll get to you, I should say. But um, this one is from Soph23194. Says, I love the show. Here's my mock draft. I'm curious about your thoughts going D-line at 25 because there aren't any great options in the mocks I do at corner wide receiver. He says, trading down would probably be preferable, but if we stay at 25, I got Nolan Smith, the edge rusher, at 25. Let's go. Kalijah Kansi at 57. Wow. 89, Julius Brents. 128, Henry Toa Totu, who I actually like. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but the linebacker from Bama, I've been watching him a little bit. I think he's an intriguing player, um, inside backer there. And then uh, Andrew Voorhees, another Andrew Voorhees pick at 160. You got to love 172, Roshan Johnson. Sign me the hell up for that. Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback out of Purdue at 209. And then he actually goes quarterback, quarterback. 240, Malik Cunningham. Wild. And then here's another guy I kind of think is a sleeper in this class, dude. Davis Allen, the tight end of Clemson. I feel like he's kind of underrated. Like I think in most classes he'd be talked about a little bit more, but this class is so deep at tight end. No one talks about him. And then he closed out his draft with Gendry Corbin, the defensive tackle out of Texas. So the only thing I'll say is I think the Giants are going to add a wide receiver, but I do not mind this approach, Dan, where you're just like, look, our defense sucked last year. We're just going to pour assets into our defensive front and our secondary. Land Nolan Smith, Kalijah Kansi, Henry Tuatoa, and I believe Julius Brents at 89, which is a freaking insane value. I mean, I think it's kind of crazy. The double quarterback picks, those are two completely <laughs> different players. Maybe the Giants are trying to move Malik Cunningham to play wide receiver, which I've heard some people suggest. Love Davis Allen that late in the draft as a seventh round pick. And Roshan Johnson has the possibility to be a three down back at the NFL level. And then, of course, Voorhees, as we said, love that value at 160. So this is, I would say... An A minus, but a very, very strong one. So if I really like this draft and Nolan Smith, Kalijah Kansi, who would complain about that? Yeah, this is an A for me. And it's a very themed draft, right? It's shore up that defense, shore up the lines, build your front out, win the line of scrimmage, dominate the trenches on defense, but also power on offense. Andrew Voorhees to help your run game at right guard long-term. Roshan Johnson, a power running back, who I think would fit really well and is an insane value at 172. So this is an A for me. Already talked about Brent's on the last one I like. Nolan Smith at edge is one of the better options, I think, given who will be there. I doubt Kansi falls 57, but it's not impossible at 280. It's not. It's not impossible. Someone will take him. But honestly, the teams that are more likely to take him to me uh, there's actually a lot of options. It depends how they view him. Like any team could really use him. So I take that back. I don't think he'll be there, but you never know. And Toho Totu, the linebacker out of Bama, I started to watch a little bit. I think he's like an instinctive bat, one of those just true instinctive backers. He has massive athletic limitations and zero flash to his game. So like no one's going to be excited about that pick, but I like it. I don't like, the only thing I don't like about the chef, because I do like Davis Allen as well, the tight end of Clemson. I just don't like going quarterback, quarterback, because First of all, I don't even really – the one thing I don't like about it's drafting a developmental quarterback this year, Nick, is that means they have to carry three on the roster this season, and yeah. that's bad for their special teams and everything because Tyrod is still in their contract. And two, if you're drafting two, 
Now you're automatically basically cutting one of these guys. Like one of your picks is definitely not going to make the roster this year. And maybe you squeak them through the practice squad. I don't even know. So that's the only thing I don't like about it. But otherwise, great draft. So, so I got to put this clip up on Twitter that I saw while on the plane. I was watching okay. Ricky Stromberg and he was going up against Alabama. And there's a play where Stromberg, there's like a, you know, it was a short run. Stromberg just kind of standing there with his back turned and Toa Toa just comes by and just legit just pushes him down like onto the pile, like two or two or three seconds after the whistle. And I was just laughing my ass off. Like, yeah, that's Ricky Stromberg, the center at Arkansas. A lot of people like him as a potential fit for the Giants on day three, maybe day two, like back end 89 type of thing. Um, but all right, that's all we have for today. This is the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Remember, please rate, subscribe, like, do all those things to help us grow. We'll talk to you soon with more content. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.